Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Mark chapter 1 is one thing that I want you to have ready. Another thing that I want you to have ready is if you received a bulletin, you should have all received a bulletin. I don't know if you knew that, but we do have little paper bulletins that kind of tell you what's going on. In that bulletin is a little sheet or a slide that, uh, or a section that talks about um, sermon notes. It gives provision for the sermon notes. And I'd love for you to have that ready and a pen ready. Okay, because we're going to do a little group exercise this morning, all right? So Mark chapter 1 and a piece of paper with a pen in it, ready to go. If you weren't able to be here last week, um, we had something unique called Vision Sunday. And basically, we looked at the horizon that we're aiming for, which is our mission, which is what? Ah, yeah, we'll get better. To multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ, that's our horizon. And we talked about the ship that we're putting together by God's grace and the crew that we need and the wind of God that needs to be blown to bring us to that horizon. So last week was a vision Sunday. And if you didn't happen to hear it or uh, weren't able to be here and, and, or watch it, you can go online, go to waynesborofm.com forward slash blog. We, we just started a new thing where we're going to try to start resourcing you guys through that. And the first post is just the central hub for everything vision that we talked about last week. You can watch it. You can listen to it. You can get the downloads of the things that we've handed out. Uh, so, so be sure to go there. Or uh, we also have the different handouts that we provided last week out on a table out there. So there was the prayer guide. There was the crew guide. We had the handbook as well. Um, and all of that you can find on our website too. So, so be sure to, to tune into that if you're curious about how we're going to be organizing and, what our, uh, and how we're going to be, Lord willing, going to accomplish our mission here. Ultimately, the, the point of last week was to see uh, how the Lord might prompt all of us to get on board with this mission, to jump on board, to get into the crew and, and, and be on board for the strategies that we're going to be implementing to accomplish this mission of, of multiplying faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I will say this. We repeat that every week, right? That's intentional. It's not meant to be annoying. It's meant to be cultural, right? We do that for a purpose. But I'm curious, we talk about multiplying, what, what, what are we supposed to multiply? Faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Good, faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Do you know what that is? Do, 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 you, know, do you know what a faithful follower of Jesus Christ is? Do we, do we have that like ready to go in our repertoire of definitions and understanding? I'd be curious, I want to do a test. It's a group exercise that we're going to do this morning. So if you have that pen and paper ready, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write out a one-sentence definition of what you think it means to be a follower of Jesus. Go ahead and do that now. I want to see heads down. It's, I'm sounding like a teacher. Heads down, pencils moving, people. And I want you to write out what you believe is the definition of a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. You, sh you might include elements of faith. You might have Big words like grace. I don't know why you would include the word soteriology or anything like that, but, but there, there, you could come up with all sorts of things. Obedience, whatever. What, write out the one sentence definition, the first thing that comes to mind, 
when you want to define a follower of Jesus. Now, everybody should be done by now. Here's what I want you to do. All at the same time, we're going to read our answers out loud. Everybody. So I need, I need group participation, people. There's no shame. Okay? So on three, everybody's going to read their answer out loud. And I'm not talking like, like we're murmuring. Like you're Charlie Brown. No. I'd like to hear everybody like we're hopefully going to be able to hear. So read your answers on three. One, two, three. Were any of those the same? <laughs> nope. That was, uh, that was interesting. I don't think I picked up a single word from anybody. <laughs> so definitely not in unison, which means we all have our different ideas of what it could mean, right? And if we're on mission together, but we all have a different idea of what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus, don't you think it'd be a little confusing? Don't you think at some point it could get a little confusing as to what we're trying to accomplish here if we all have a different definition or understanding of what a faithful follower of Jesus is, of what the thing is that we're supposed to be multiplying a ton of, right? So this morning, this morning we're going to try to create or go to God's word and, and get an understanding, at least one that might unite all of us together in our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Some of you probably included the idea of just belief, right, of faith. Like, I, yeah, somebody who's a follower of Jesus believes in Jesus, but you and I both know that that word belief is too weak in the English, and, and it's not sufficient enough to describe what all we mean when we talk about following Jesus. I mean, some people, it can mean just an intellectual assent to a higher thought, Others of you may included radical obedience, like total surrender and radical obedience in every area of your life to Christ. And that sounds great, but what about the new believer who hasn't gotten there yet, who still looks a little messy? You got to have a definition that can work from beginning to end in their relationship with Jesus. So that's what we're going to find today. We're going to define a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus today, those things that we're supposed to be multiplying a ton of. And, 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 and we're not going to just be like, all right, I think I'm going to define it this way. Right? No, we're going to go to the, the author of faith himself, and we're going to say, Jesus, how did you define what it means to be your follower? But where do we go? Right? We could, we could define it as the whole New Testament, Right? But where do we go? What would be helpful? And, and, and I would say, I would posit that, that if you looked at Jesus' invitation to follow him, you'd probably find the definition of a follower of him. So we're going to look at the invitation that Jesus issued his disciples. And one of the things that we're going to find out today is that there's three main components of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So if you like notes, go ahead and write these down and we're going to discover these as we go. First, the main component, obviously, following Jesus. Follow Jesus. The second, be transformed. And the third, for mission. Follow Jesus, be transformed for mission. Three components. Okay, so that's what we're going to walk through as we go. And and we're going to find Jesus himself in Mark chapter 1, walking along the Sea of Galilee, 
We find him having just been prayed up and, and he's beginning his ministry and, and he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees two men who are fishers, Simon and his brother Andrew, and they're casting their nets. Their occupation is fishermen and I'm sure many of the men in here are quite jealous and would love to have a job where all they did was catch fish all day. Raise your hand if that's you. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. That would be a pretty amazing occupation. These guys do that. Now it's a little bit more hard, right? But, but to say the least, these are trained, qualified fishermen. They've been doing it most of their life. And Jesus comes along and we see in verse 17, he says this, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And then it says they, and immediately they dropped their nets and followed after him. Just two verses, 17 and 18. That's all we're after this morning. Jesus' invitation and their response. And you can see in Jesus' invitation, there's the invitation, but there's a promise and then there's an outcome, right? There's a promise and an outcome attached to the invitation of following Jesus. So Jesus says, follow me. I will make you become fishers of men. So let's walk through those three different components. The first component, obviously, easily enough, is to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Can we say that together? One, two, three. Follow Jesus. The Greek word here is literally to come behind and follow through. It's this idea of responding to a summons, to attach yourself to a person, to receive that person's authority, and to imitate their example in everything that they do, right? So Jesus is saying, hey, come follow in my steps. Come, come go wherever I go. Do whatever I do. Say whatever I say. This is the invitation. But you know, one of the things that we do often is, and, and if, you're, if you're in tune with scripture to a point, you, you've heard it probably said that this is like a, a general invitation from a rabbi inviting his disciples to follow him. Right? A rabbi is a teacher and a disciple is a learner. And, and, and we often associate this invitation to a rabbi inviting a disciple to follow him. But, but there's been some arguments theologically that, actually say that's not the illustration or that's not the construct. Jesus isn't just simply a teacher inviting students to follow him. There's something different happening here. There's another story in scripture that this aligns more with than that. And that's the story of Elijah and Elisha. You remember those two prophets in the Old Testament? Elijah, this guy who literally took on the 800 prophets of Baal and, and sees fire fall from heaven and consume the sacrifice and the altar and the water around. And then, and then the prophets of Baal are slain. And then one queen issues a, a threat and he runs for his life and he goes and hides. Remember this so far? And he's hiding and he's complaining to the Lord and he's saying, God, I think I'm the last of my kind. And God just says, go home. Not as a dismissal, but it turns out that as he's on his way home, he passes by a young man named Elisha who's plowing a field. And Elijah takes his prophetic cloak off and casts it onto Elisha. And Elisha knew exactly what that meant. Elisha knew that that meant that all of Elijah's prophetic responsibilities and power were gonna come on him. And what did he do? He immediately ran after Elijah and said, hey, let me go say bye to my family. 
And he goes home and he says bye. He comes back to the field and he, he takes apart the plow. He creates a fire out of the wood and he offers up and sacrifice all of the oxen that he's been plowing with and he feeds his family and he immediately goes and follows Elijah. Sound familiar? Elisha left his occupation, his provision and everything for his family. He left his family and he followed after the one who called. You see, Elijah wasn't a teacher. Elijah was a prophet. Elijah was a charismatic leader. So that's more of what's happening here. A charismatic leader, a prophet, inviting someone to follow after him. So Jesus wasn't just simply a teacher, calling a learner. This is not that environment. This is an incredible leader calling somebody to follow after him. And, 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 and I'll say this, when we talk about this idea of following after with reckless abandon, following after one who calls, you guys have heard really good sermons since I've been here on that from many different people who've preached. I remember starting off with Bruce Hankey, Pastor Bruce Hankey preached back in Christmas on, on the people of God singing the praise of God in a strange land, how we ought to praise him no matter what may come in the craziness of the world around us. We heard a message from Dave Simpson, right? The idea of like being willing to abandon everything and go wherever God calls us to go. Here am I, send me, all the way from Isaiah 6, right? We also heard from Joseph Gibson, right? In the book of Hebrews, oh man, like how Christ is the image that we're following after and who we're being made into. Right? Talk about discipleship, right? We, we also heard from, uh, I, I preached in Luke 18, where, where we talked about like, what the faith really is with contrite humility, childlike dependence, and, and Christ following abandon, and how all of that's made possible by God. We also heard Ethan Colvin preach, like this is the heart of the faith, right? The idea that Jesus ultimately is worth everything. We also heard from Kirk Fuller who preached on the depths of discipleship with the idea of Christ being the cornerstone in whom we build the foundation and we align all of our lives to. Guys, you heard plenty on what it means to follow Jesus. You know what all that entails, that we cast aside all of our allegiances and faiths and we cling to Jesus alone, that we receive Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as marriage counselor, as financial advisor, as friend, all the things that he says that he is. And we follow him all the way to the cross and to the empty tomb. We keep following him to the ascension where he now sits at the right hand of God, enthroned on high, reigning over all of creation, receiving him as King of kings and Lord of lords over all things, now and forevermore. We, we, we hold to his word, right? We hold to his life. We hold to his lifestyle. And we say, that's the best. I'm going to try that. There's nothing better. He is the supreme being of imitation. He ought to be the highest goal of our lives. So if all we mean, like we talked about discipleship. We talked about what it means to follow Jesus. And, and if, if, if we wrote a, a down a definition that simply just says, I believe in Jesus, or a follower of Jesus believes in Jesus. I said this earlier, but I need to rehash it. If you can believe in Jesus the same way that you believe two plus two is four, or if you can believe in Jesus the same way that you believe the sky is blue, or if you can believe in Jesus the same way that you and I both agree and believe that the Washington football team is just a terrible name for them, If we can believe those things in the same way and say that that's the same kind of belief we have in Jesus, then we've emptied belief of its meaning. 
One of my favorite pastors today, Matt Chandler, said this, to say you believe in Jesus, but do not follow him, empties belief of its meaning. To say you believe in Jesus, but do not follow him, empties belief of its meaning. So when we say follow Jesus, we can't just simply mean, yeah, I, I believe he existed. I know he died on the cross for people's sins. I know he raised to life and is ascended at the right hand of God. I know those things to be true, but are they convictions? Are they true in your heart? Right, so we, we, we talk about follow Jesus. That's the, the first example of this, the first component of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and one of the things, before we press on, you, you already know, I've already spoiled it for you. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. What's the only command in there? Follow Jesus. But that's the only command in his invitation. Come behind me. Follow after me. That's the only thing that he makes us responsible for in this thing called faith. The rest of it he takes care of. Because I will make you become. Follow me and I will make you become. That's what brings us to our second component of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that's to be transformed. So follow Jesus and then be transformed. Can you say be transformed for me? One, two, three. Be transformed. Guys, if you circle in your Bible anything, circle all the I will statements that you see in there from God. I will do this. These are all promises from him. I will go with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will love you. I will keep you. I will give you rest. I will give you a new heart. I will give you my spirit. Guys, you can bet everything that you own and your own life that he keeps his promises. He has been and will forevermore be faithful. It's why his word says, when he, like he says himself, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I will bring it to pass. I have purpose and I will do it. He accomplishes everything he sets himself to. So Jesus here, as God, says, I will make you become. I will cause you to become. So in other words, this isn't something that we do. This isn't something on our shoulders that we're responsible for. We're not responsible for accomplishing what Jesus says he's going to accomplish. Jesus does this. Does what? He makes us become something else. He makes us become something more. To become, the, the word become, some of the ways you can understand what this means is, is look at how it's used elsewhere. And, and one of the ways that it's used is when Satan is inviting Jesus to cause the stones to become loaves of bread. It's also used of the water that had become wine at the wedding in Cana because Jesus radically, miraculously transformed it. See, there's something drastically different that happens when Jesus makes us become something. There's something that changes about the, the nature of that thing's existence. Jesus is promising here to drastically change the nature of our existence. He is promising to remake us. 
So this means, guys, that following Jesus isn't just simply a kind of lifestyle that you agree to. It's an environment in which Jesus is making us new. It's an environment where he transforms us. He forms and shapes us and and builds us up and, and molds us into what he desires us to be. Guys, I can tell you that just from my own experience, that we as Christians can be so easily deceived into thinking that this is where we need to pour all of our effort into. That we, we, we pour and dump out every, every sweat and tear that we have in our faith into our looking different, into our being a kind of different person. Right? Guys, can I just be honest with you? The only things that we have the power to change are the things that look different on the outside sometimes. But that's not transformation, that's behavior modification. And the two are drastically different. You can start doing things that make you look like a Christian and not actually have any of Christ in you. We can can put all our effort into looking like different people without even knowing that, nope, Jesus has to make us new. Jesus is the one who transforms us and makes us into a different kind of creature. Now, I'm not saying that the things that we do and how we look on the outside change. Of course they do, as Jesus transforms us. He's more about the things that are happening on the inside, the things that are going on in your heart and in your mind. So as we follow Jesus, he is transforming us. As we follow him in that environment of discipleship, he is radically changing the nature of our existence. So we have followed Jesus, we have be transformed for mission. Can we say that together? One, two, three. For mission. So what is his objective? What is, what is his goal? What is he looking to make us into? What does the word say? You guys can shout it out. What is he making us in? I will make you become fishers of men. All right, so I, I kind of had you guys raise your hands earlier, but I'm going to out you guys again. How many of you are our fishermen? You love getting up on that Saturday morning and going out and casting that reel and sitting on that dock or on that boat for five hours just doing nothing but catching fish? Don't be no Baptist. You got to get your hands all the way up. I see you. Okay. You guys could probably help us a little bit. When you're fishing for keeps, right? Obviously, there's the kind of fishing where you got to just put it back. I don't understand the point of it, but clearly I'm not a fisher. When you're fishing for keeps, does it usually fare well for the fish that you catch? Nope. Do you think they want to be caught? Nope. Absolutely not. So, so is, when Jesus is saying uh, you will become fishers of men, is, is that, does that mean that lost people are fish? That they need to be caught? Does it mean that, that he kind of wants us to you know, cast the line and, 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 and put out the more attractive elements of our faith as bait? And then when they're caught and snagged and we reel them in, we do the old bait switch and say, nope, you got to die! <laughs> no, is, 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 is he saying that, that hey, you, hey, you as a as a Christian, you're going to start catching people, reeling them in, gutting them, and cleaning them, and, and, and you're going to consume them, right? No, that's, that's cannibalism. This is, 
This symbol is not more about the fish, it's about the fishermen. It's not about the nature of the fish, it's about the nature of the one who's catching. Right? So, so let me try to put this in a way that, Lord willing, might be helpful for you. Throughout Scripture, God's Word often associates large bodies of water with death and darkness and evil and chaos. So, obviously, we have the flood that happened. If that isn't evidence enough, uh, we, we see Jesus walking on top of the water. We see in the end times when the earth is remade that there will be no sea anymore because death will be no more. So scripture often associates large bodies of water with death, with chaos, with darkness. And that's where all the fish are. And guys, God's word says that that was once where you and I were as believers. We were once in that domain of sin and death and darkness and we were rescued out of that darkness. And brought into the domain of light. In the same way, others desperately need to be brought out of the darkness, brought out of death, brought out of chaos and disorder, out of the sphere of distance and remoteness from God, into the sphere of his kingdom, into the sphere of his love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. So that's Jesus' mission is to catch people and reel them into the kingdom of God, save them out of darkness and chaos and into, into his love. Which means Jesus is transforming you and I to be individuals equipped and passionate for that same mission. He's transforming us into people who win the lost to Jesus, to rescue them out of something really chaotic and terrible and bring them into something much, much more satisfying and better, though they may not realize it at that time. That's what we're about. That's, that's what it means to be a fisher of men, catching people out of the darkness and bring them into the light. Now notice what he says here. Notice how he says, follow me and be fishers of men. Follow me and be fishers of men. Did he say that that way? No, why? If he had, that would have put all the mission on us. If he had, if he had said just that, then your obedience to his mission would have dictated whether or not you truly are belonging to him. But no, he doesn't say that. He says, I will make you become this. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, this isn't something that you intrinsically have going for you. It's not something that you have inherently the ability to do. This is, this is, you don't know how to exactly be involved in this kind of work. This isn't going to be intuitive. It's not going to be natural. It's going to be something totally new. And so all of us desperately need Jesus to make us into this. We can't just start trying this on our own efforts. We can't try and start trying to do this without actually being transformed by Jesus. All of us need Jesus to make us become this. And what does all mean? All of us. You see, I think, I think there are too many of us who kind of just sit back on this cruise ship that we call church. And we say, oh, these guys, I know them, that pastor, he, that leader, yeah, they're, man, they're really good on this mission. They, they're really gifted for this. I'm just going to, 
Let them take care of it. I'm just going to sit back and relax. That's not my thing. Oh, I, I kind of struggle with this area, right? If you understand that being in partnership with Jesus on his mission is an integral component to following Jesus, then you understand that you can't sit back and watch other people do what Jesus has called you to do. That is inherently a component of following Jesus. You have all three of these things. You follow Jesus. That's what you're responsible for. Be transformed. That's what he does for mission. That's what he's doing. Guys, this is something Jesus promises us. Something that he's going to do as we follow him. This is inherent to the invitation to be transformed into someone useful in the harvest of this world. Someone useful in catching people out of the domain of sin and death and reeling them into the kingdom of God, kicking and screaming. Just kidding, that's just an illustration of a fish. Guys, whether it's, whether it's fish in the sea or whether it's fields ripe for harvest, either way, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, is he not? And he tells us that the fields are ripe for the harvest. He tells us that the waters are rich with fish, ready to be caught. And yet he also tells us to pray to him and ask him to send out more what? Laborers into the harvest, to send out more fishers into the waters. He asks us to pray to him that he would send out more who are on his mission. But isn't that quite odd though? Isn't he the Lord of the harvest? Can't he just hire as many as he needs or wants for the harvest or the catch that he's trying to accomplish? Why do we need more laborers? Why does he identify that? Why do we need more fishermen? Well, we got to think about it this way. I need to be very careful here. If Jesus is the one who makes you and I become fishers of men as we follow him, and then he says that he needs more to be on his mission, is the problem with Jesus not keeping his word? Y'all better be saying no. No, he always keeps his word. So then where does the problem lie? We have too few Christians actually following Jesus. Because if they follow Jesus, then they are being transformed for his mission. That's the only part that we're responsible for, following Jesus. So wouldn't it be on us? The reason why Jesus needs more laborers in the harvest, more fishers of men, is simply because not many of us are truly following Jesus. Now, I, I, I want to say this, and I'm throwing out some big terms here, but I think the reason why this is the case is because too many of us have made Christianity about moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Let me define those. When I say moralistic, we have reduced Christianity to simply being a list of do's and don'ts. 
what's right and what's wrong. So we, in our own effort, just try to stick to what's right and to abandon what's wrong. Moralistic. Therapeutic. In the sense that God exists to make me feel good and make you feel good. That he exists to be your cheerleader in all the things that you do. Moralistic therapeutic deism. Deism in the sense that he just put everything together, spun it back and said, all right, Y'all take care of yourself. So you have no interactions with him. You have no actual friendship with him. You have no idea what kind of relationship is available with him because he's actively participating. But no, we've just reduced Christianity to be about what we do and don't do, how we can feel better about ourselves and not actually relate to God. If anything, that's, that's American Christianity. That's the American dream Christianity. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to pray that God's grace is, is sufficient. Because it is. Guys, I, I see within the church much more concern about what's going on between the Republicans and the Democrats than I do about concern for the next door neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. We look at the liberalism that's happening in the society around us today and we take up arms and we shout out and we talk about that. And yes, we should. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But we don't even speak the words of life that are found in the gospel to the waitress who's having a tough day when she's serving us or to the dad who's sitting next to us at the soccer game who's a little bit too angry at his son because he's not performing well enough. We refuse to speak the gospel itself, but we're more concerned with politics socialism, all sorts of other things going on in the society around us. Guys, are, are we really concerned about the things that Jesus is primarily concerned about? He had the political stuff going on between Israel and Rome, but his primary directive wasn't to address that. It was to invite people to follow after him to be transformed for his mission. Because his mission is to unite all things in heaven and on earth together under his authority and leadership. Are we really following Jesus? Or is he just following us? Guys, I, I am absolutely 100% beyond a doubt, shadow of a doubt, convinced that if we as a church truly understand what it means to follow Jesus, to eat of his flesh and to drink of his blood, to take up our crosses and to follow after him, we're gonna find more more men and women being radically transformed by his grace and spirit into fishers of men, right? And isn't that what we wanna be? We don't want to just be a, a people who look good on the outside. I, I'm praying and I hope that we would be a people who desire to be radically changed and made new all over. And then cooperating with Jesus on his mission in this world. I mean, isn't that what we want to be? We say we want to be a church that's multiplying faithful followers of Jesus Christ. In other words, we got to be Casting out the lines of the gospel, reeling them in with the good news of Jesus and walking with them as Jesus transforms them and makes them new. I mean, we, isn't that what we want to be, church? Golly. 
Because I, I want us, by God's grace alone, to be a kind of church that makes some spiritual noise in the heavenlies. I want us to be a kind of church that wages war against the principalities and powers that are around us. I want us to be a kind of church that the local forces of darkness and demonism, they all have heard of our church and they're annoyed by us because they're tired of us plundering their stuff. I want us to be a church that's so filled with the spirit of God that people see his light in us and see how beautiful Jesus is. I want us to be a church that storms the gates of hell that cannot prevail against us and plunder all of its possessions. I want us to be a church that is a rescue mission, leading people out of darkness and into light, even if it means that we're that socially awkward group of people, even if it means that we are paying a cost that's too high to the world, but is enough for us because we say Jesus is worth it. Sorry if I scared you, but is that not the kind of church we want to be? Why? Because the world desperately needs us to be. The world desperately needs us to be this. Why? Because this gospel is truly that good. Why? Because the kingdom of God really is that beautiful. Why? Because God wants them in his kingdom. Why? Because Jesus paid for them to be in his kingdom and he shall have the reward of his suffering. Amen? Amen. So here's how this is going to land in two ways. One of them I'm going to talk about what's going to be happening for the next several months and the other one's going to just be talking about today. One of the ways I think that's so important for us to, to, to flesh this out is we, we, we've heard a lot about what it means to follow Jesus, but we don't know much about what it means to be transformed. And we don't know what, what it means much about to be on mission. And so for the next several months, we're going to be on a, a pair of sermon series. It's called Transformed for Mission. So the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual transformation, what Jesus is making us into. How do we partner with him in this process of making us new? What is our part? What is his part? And then we're going to look at mission. We're going to talk about what God's mission is. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about like, our mission as a church, and we're going to walk through it every step of the way. What does it mean to multiply? What does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to be a follower? What does it mean to be uh, in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done? And then we're going to look at our core values and all the, that entails. We're going to spend a lot of time excuse me, on that mission. And hopefully that will put us into the fall and, and we're going we're gonna to be launching all of our ministries and, and getting ready to gear up for all of that. So that's kind of one way this is going to land. Just for today, I can't think of a better way for this to, to conclude than for us to take communion together. Um, you hopefully received it on the way in. It was on the table as you walked in, the bread and the drink. Um, we're going we're gonna to take communion together in the hopes of God's spirit examining our souls. And so one of the things I want you to do real quick, we're just going to do this exercise. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to examine your life for the last months, years. Examine your life at least since you came to believe upon Jesus. 
And just ask yourself some questions in light of this. If it is true that as I follow Jesus, I am changed, I am made new, what have been some of the things in my life that I have seen change about me? Those are only questions you can answer between you and the Lord. What have you seen change about you in your heart and mind, in your character? How has he made you different? If it is also true that as we follow Jesus, he transforms us, he's transforming us for his mission to be fishers of men, then, then another question you might ask is, who have you commended Jesus to lately? Who have, who have you shared the gospel with? Who have you told about Jesus? Who have you shared your faith with who doesn't share your faith? So if, if you, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as you're thinking through this and processing this, and you're, you're, you're questioning, well, I really don't see any change going on in my life. I just haven't seen that at all. If I'm, if I'm honest, I haven't really been talking with people about Jesus. I can't think of the last time that I shared Jesus with somebody or been bold in my faith. There's some really wrong ways that you could respond to this. You could have a wrong response of, of just trying to overcome all your doubts and all your being ashamed and whatever's going on that keeps you from sharing your faith with other people. And you can force yourself to start trying to catch fish. So if you struggle to share Jesus with people because you're ashamed or because you doubt or because you don't know, whatever, whatever the reason, being changed into somebody who, who commends Jesus to the lost doesn't come about by you and your own effort trying to do the opposite of everything that feels natural to you. Again, that's behavior modification. Don't try to modify your behavior. That's the wrong response to this. The right response, turn your eyes upon Jesus. What does your relationship with him look like? Do you walk with him? And talk with him? Do you believe that he has accomplished everything necessary to save you from your sin and bring you back to God? What's your relationship with him look like? Are you being still in his word and hearing him speak? Is he before you and are you following in his steps? Or is he behind you following in yours? The right response would be, all right, Jesus, clearly something's off in my relationship with you. Show me what it is and help me walk in it. That's where we start. He takes care of the transformation for his mission. You follow him. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.